This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, August 12, 2015. I'm Caleb Brown. Subprime lending was a key contributor to the financial crisis, but it's nonetheless making a comeback. But there are ways to stop the feds from subsidizing risky mortgage lending. Mark Calabria, Director of Financial Regulation Studies at the Cato Institute, offers his thoughts. So subprime borrowers are people who are just less likely to to pay back their loan. Yeah. Subprime borrowers are borrowers with weak credit scores that reflects a much higher probability of default. And uh, let me be very clear, these credit scores are very good predictors. This, of course, doesn't account for why you might be subprime. Uh, It isn't a value judgment. It's not sort of you're a bad person. Uh, A lot of people might be subprime because they've had unexpected medical bills. They've hit a tough patch in the road. It's important to keep in mind that these credit scores are agnostic to all of that. But some uh, subprime borrowing contributed mightily to the financial crisis in 2008. It did. Uh, We clearly had elevated level of defaults in the mortgage market. Uh, In my opinion, that was a combination of subprime borrowers with very low equity. So we've historically known in the mortgage market that you can generally make a loan to a subprime borrower if there's a huge down payment. And so previously to about the 90s, if you had the equivalent of a 620 FICO score, you know, better little upper range of subprime, you were actually going to have to pay 20 to 30 percent down on your house. But because you had done that, you generally were not going to default. And the mistake that was really made in the financial crisis was we let a lot of subprime borrowers get loans with almost nothing down. Uh, And many of those borrowers have simply flowed into FHA today. And so it's interesting because if you look at the performance of subprime mortgages versus subprime car loans, subprime car loans actually perform a lot better. And that's despite the fact that you're underwater when you drive off a lot. But the reason is that might come as a surprise to some people. If you don't pay your car loan, one day you'll go out to the driveway and it won't be there. That's really been a really big encouragement. Whereas we know on the other hand, if you don't pay your mortgage, you could be in the house for literally years. The median time to foreclosure in many places got close to over three years. So much different set of incentives. And shocker, you know, what Econ 101 tells us, people respond to incentives. So why after the financial crisis, after Dodd-Frank, And after supposedly learning a great deal about uh, housing and how houses don't always go up in value, uh, why is subprime lending making this return? So there's a a couple of reasons. Um, Foremost among it is that nothing in Dodd-Frank actually bans subprime lending. Uh, so all of the, there's tons of new mortgage regulation, uh, layers upon layers of compliance. None of it bars lending to low-income borrowers. And in fact, you've seen the Justice Department, you've seen the financial regulators continue to push um, lenders to make subprime loans because, lo and behold, credit scores differ significantly by race. So if you were to cut off subprime lending, you would essentially cut off a tremendous amount of lending to minority communities. And that's not to say these loans aren't going to be repaid. It's just that the math says that they're less likely to be repaid. Exactly. And so even the vast, the vast majority of subprime loans, even during the crisis, paid off. Now, you could take a couple of lessons away from this. One is you don't actually need a large number of defaults to cause a financial crisis, particularly if you have very little capital in the system. Now, it's another reason we're starting to see this come back is, and we, you know, we saw this 10 years ago, uh, you know, 2003, there was a huge refinance wave with the Fed cut interest rates after the dot-com bubble. When that in- refinance wave burned out, 
that's when you saw lenders start to reduce underwriting standards because they make a ton of money in a refinance wave and they can make that just on prime borrowers. So after the financial crisis, you saw the same thing. Federal Reserve cut rates. You saw a huge refinance wave, particularly 2010, 2011. That has burned out. You know, everybody who's wanted to refinance into a lower mortgage has basically done it, by and large. And so you no longer, as a lender, get fee income from all this refinancing. You have to look somewhere else if you want to continue to keep earnings coming in. And what you do is generally lower credit standards to try to keep the volume going. We saw it 10 years ago. We're seeing it again today. Following the financial crisis, I thought that one of the key lessons was, you know, it would be great if we just went back to 20% down and and that became the standard. But uh, low interest rates have persisted uh, at the... At the uh, handling of the Fed. So, how do we get back to a system where uh, subprime lending is risky only for the people engaging in it? <laughs> well, first of all, we need to get rid of all the guarantees that are behind it. So, for instance, one of the differences today is most of subprime mortgage lending is, is has gone to FHA, the Federal Housing Administration. In fact, the majority of FHA lending today is subprime and deeply subprime and very risky lending. Uh, you know, my back of the envelope is if we don't change our ways, at least a million FHA borrowers will lose their homes in the next downturn. So we need to scale back the guarantees because when somebody else takes the downside, we know lenders will take more risk. It's a given. We've repeatedly experienced that, somehow don't learn it, but that's a given. Um, the other part of it is that despite the fact that Dodd-Frank went down the road of trying to improve quality of lending standards, it really just dealt with things that don't have much to do with it, like prepayment penalties, balloons. You even had Barney Frank say that these rules were supposed to deal with down payments, and they didn't. And they didn't because both the lenders and the community activists essentially came together and gutted the rules. So FHA doesn't originate mortgages, but they back those who do. Exactly. So the way FHA works uh, is essentially they're insuring the credit risk of the loan that the lender originates. So that really, I mean, again, the purpose of FHA is to make, is to get lenders to make to take riskier loans. And this is in terms of like the down payment. It's sometimes it's three and a half percent. Is exactly. that the standard? Exactly. Uh, most FHA loans are over ninety percent, ninety five percent loan to value. Um, because of the fees and such, you can literally end up leaving the table close to being underwater in an FHA loan. And again, there's no minimum credit score for FHA loans. And so you can end up having somebody who's got subprime credit and no equity. And again, this turns out badly. And part of the problem, of course, was much of the approach of Dodd-Frank and much of the approach of the regulators was to argue that it wasn't the borrower, you know, as long as we get people on the right loan. Uh, and of course, we knew this ahead of time. Before the crisis, so up to about 2007, the delinquency rate for FHA was worse than it was for subprime. But again, the argument was uh, that we weren't getting people on the right loan rather than getting the wrong people into loans to begin with. So we, unfortunately, we don't seem to have learned much from the crisis, uh, which is why I'm quite certain that we will have to painfully go through this again. That's why I'm reminded of George W. Bush in 2005, 2006. Uh, beating the table and saying, we have the highest rates of homeownership in uh, many decades. We did. We hit a high of close to 69%. We're down to about 64% now. Uh, it's worth recognizing that where we're at now is kind of where, is where we were in 1967. So we have lost all of the housing gains and homeownership um, because of the crisis, but also recognizing that the boost we got during the crisis was illusionary. 
we got a lot of people in who weren't sustainable. Um, you know, ultimately, what's going to drive uh, homeownership is the affordability of housing, demographics. Uh, and again, we basically stole some homeowners who just weren't ready for it. Um, and so fortunately, at least for the moment, we seem to have walked away from the public policy obsession with a particular number. Like, you know, let's hit the homeownership number of X. Uh, and I, you know, certainly I fear that it won't be long before we go back to hearing politicians talk about that. We've already started to see that. Certainly the current HUD secretary, uh, Mr. Castro, talks about getting people back into homeownership again. Uh, and quite frankly, and too many people in Washington have forgotten the lessons of the crisis. Aside from getting rid of FHA entirely or phasing it out over a few years, what, what else can be done to... Uh, ensure, once again, that the only people who are harmed by subprime lending are the people who are involved in it? So there are a number of things we can do. Uh, you know, one is to have, uh, if you're going to keep FHA and the GSEs uh, in place, you have to have more of the risk borne by the lenders. So for instance, FHA that provides mortgage insurance, in contrast to private mortgage insurers who usually cover, say, the first 30 percent of loss, FHA covers 100. So the loan could go completely bad. And so in my opinion, for a loan to go completely 100 percent bad, there's got to be some sort of fraud. There's got to be some negligence. So one of the things we should be looking at is the lenders taking more of the risk, both in FHA and the GSEs. The GSEs have started to do a little bit more of that, but you've got to shift a little bit more of it so there's actually skin in the game from the lenders when there's a government guarantee. Of course, we need to worry about deposit insurance as well. What we forget is there was actually a boom and bust in the subprime market in the late 90s when the Russia default happened and rates shot up. Much of the subprime industry went out of business. It did not cause a financial crisis. And the reason it did not cause a financial crisis was it was primarily state-chartered finance companies that did not have government backing. They had market discipline. And that's what you need to avoid crises. And we're again going down this route of reducing market discipline, eliminating market discipline even, and allowing the credit standards to be reduced, often in the name of trying to uh, spread homeownership to everybody as a sort of get-rich-quick scheme of building wealth, rather than ultimately accepting the only way you're really going to build wealth is work and savings. And there aren't any shortcuts to that. Mark Calabria is the director of the Cato Institute's Financial Regulation Studies. You can read more of his work at Cato.org.